I'm Eric. And I'm Lauren. We've both volunteered for progressive political causes. And we're both nerds. Growing up, Shira was one of my favorite shows. I've never seen it before. Catching it on Netflix again recently, it struck me how modern the show still feels. Even though it's definitely a product of its time. We're interested in the ways She-Ra presents a modern progressive message. And the ways in which it fails. Join us each week as we dive deep into a different She-Ra story. Always with an eye on how it relates to the present. We're only doing episodes from the first season, so you can follow along on Netflix. But we'll also recap the episodes so you don't have to. We'd love to hear your feedback on everything we're discussing. So please, enjoy this political, nerdy dive into a heck of a cartoon. This This is is She-Ra, Progressive Progressive of Power. Everybody, the applause! Yeah, please clap. Uh, welcome to Shira, Progressive of Power, our first and so far only live show. I am Eric, and I'm Lauren. And uh, like I just said, we are live at the Cards Against Humanity Theater, and we and a room full of past guests and friends of the pod just watched the He-Man and Shira Christmas special. Boy, wasn't it great, guys? How enthused are we? You don't have to fake clap for that. We all know. We it can all be know great in quotation marks. So, great. Right, exactly. Um, so there's always some patter at the top of the show, and there's two important things to discuss. Lauren kind of mentioned this in, uh, in the pre-show patter to set the context for the live audience, but for the pod listeners at home. So we're recording this on Wednesday, December 13th. Two really good things happened on Tuesday, December 12th. Lauren, what is one of those things? One of those things is that the state of Alabama elected its first Democratic senator in 25 years. That's good on its own, but also, as I joking, not joking, mentioned before we started recording today, uh, that means they didn't elect a a pedophile. So... (laughs) Good job, America. <laughs> By like a 1% margin, there is still right. decency. It's like, I'm really proud of you, but am I? It's complicated, but we're glad. Uh, that means the Senate is in play for all future decisions that the current president tries to make. Yay! That's pretty good. Uh, thing number two, which, you know, we can talk about its importance relative to the Doug Jones thing, but uh, yesterday uh, Netflix announced that they are rebooting She-Ra Princess of Power with Noelle Stevenson, the writer of Lumberjanes, at the head. Yes. That is... Oh, Lauren didn't mention the Lumberjanes thing before the show. I heard some guests. Yes, there's a huge list of artists, writers, and contributors to this show. Uh we will post it online for you later. It's a lot of people who've been involved in Steven Universe, in Adventure Time, uh, Rick and Morty comics. Really a lot of strong uh, feminist and LGBTQ conscious writers. And I'm very happy about that because uh, Eric and I have had sort of a journey with this show where I've been to Dragon Con, he's been to a couple places himself, and we've been trying to tell people about our, our show, specifically like She-Ra cosplayers or He-Man cosplayers, people who outwardly appear to be really into Masters of the Universe. And we go up to them with our hearts open and our enthusiasm at full tilt, and we're like, we're so psyched we connect the show to 2017 political issues. It's so feminist. It's so progressive. It's so relevant. Don't you agree? And like 50% of the time, the response is... 
no, don't politicize cartoons. We hate you. Get away from me. I mean, no one actually ever said I hate you to me, but that was what their eyes said. They don't need to say it. And so we're really excited to know that, uh, at least based on their previous resumes, the artists working on this show seem to feel the same way we do about She-Ra. They seem to see the connections to 2017 that we do, and we really have high hopes for this new show. It does mean... Uh, 24 hours ago, Eric and I weren't sure that Progressive of Power was going to continue. We love working with each other. Uh, our origin story with the Pawar campaign was in an earlier episode. But we kind of got through the series, and maybe we were done. And now we are not done. We can't be done. <laughs> we're the only game in town. Yeah. There's, like, you know, it sucks that 2017 is sort of a, a time of uh, geek culture gatekeeping still. Like, I feel like we should be over that. But there's something to be said for if you go on Apple Podcasts and, and, and search for she we're the only people there right now. Well, that's not really gatekeeping. No one else is trying to get in. We're not like, <laughs> we're not like finding fledgling She-Ra podcasts and shutting them down. No, but I'm saying like if, if, if She-Ra becomes the next Orange is the New Black mm. and the next Stranger Things and mm. suddenly everyone's into it, oh, I see. very few people will be able to say they were here first and we were and the people in this room were and I feel like we almost we have to continue. We're yeah, obligated. We can't, we can't stop. So we're going to take a little break and and then we will keep going. But that's all very exciting. I, I'm sure we'll do an episode where we talk about predictions and hopes. But, boy, just blanket statement. I really hope Noelle Stevenson puts some people of color in the show. Because She-Ra's <laughs> biggest problem is that it is so goddamn white. As I think we all just saw. Oh, my God. It's so yes. white. It's white and uh, apparently Christian regarding <laughs> Yeah, so let's, yeah. let's get to that. So today we are doing uh, the very pointedly titled A Christmas Special. Now, as Lauren said, every episode I do recaps before we talk about it. But I'm kind of tired of doing recaps. I've done it for 15 episodes. That's enough. Uh, why don't we, let's, let's as a group, what, the recap. I want to hear, what did we just see, guys? Just yeah, Who wants to take the, the throne? Shout it out there. What did we just see? Start summarizing. Children got kidnapped. Correct. Because why did they get kidnapped? Because Orko's a dumbass. Yes. So Orko found a rocket that Man in Arms and Prince Adam were working on, and he accidentally activated it, and it took him to Earth, where there were children, and, uh, and Orko and the children went to Eternia, but then... But then... <laughs> they were kidnapped again. There's a lot of kidnapping. Yeah, the kids, yes. the there's a phallic helicopter involved. <laughs> that, gets, that gets grabbed by a claw. Uh, I'm glad you said it and not me. Oh, we're talking about the helicopter. Yeah, the kids get passed around like hot potatoes. Yeah, it's the most epic custody battle I've ever seen. <laughs> so it is about Christmas. Where does Christmas come in here? Uh, oh, the, the kids are starting to again. explain it and then cutting off. <laughs> Anytime the kids get close to explaining Christmas, we cut away. Yeah. Transformers show up. Yes. Evil Transformers. Yeah. They're turning into other forms. What evil robots? <laughs> we got that amazing song too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Christmas spirit. Yeah, Bo. They got kidnapped for it. Bo wrote a Christmas song that the children sang and Bo didn't. Somehow they knew the words automatically. Bo probably had them there for four hours rehearsing. Yeah. Let's not joke about that. Yeah. So eventually, after the the robots and the Bill Cosby robots save the <laughs> save them from the evil robots. Uh, Skeletor gets the kids, and then Skeletor has kind of a Grinch moment, and uh, that's kind of the end, right? Skeletor saves the children, and because the, of a dog, 
Because of a dog. Yeah, alien dog. Robot dog. He doesn't, Robot it's not the kids, really, that change his heart. It's it really is a puppy. Yeah, good. that's right. Good message. <laughs> that is a good message. That's what Christmas is about. Yeah. <laughs> so Skeletor um, beats up Horde Prime, which is weird because the episode implies Skeletor is, cares about Horde Prime. Skeletor is not a member of the Horde, just for people who oh, are playing oh. along at home. He would care. He shows no allegiance towards the Horde, so that's bizarre. So let's maybe turn the mic around uh, and give some context for the folks who have uh, not listened to this show before. Yeah. The reason that the queen knew about Christmas, but nobody else did, that is He-Man's mother. She is from Earth. Yeah. He-Man's father is not from Earth, but apparently in all the years they've been married and raising children, she didn't mention any of her own traditions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Especially after her children were born on Christmas. Although, no big deal. It's no big deal, I guess deal, right? one of her kids was, like, stolen from birth right away, so maybe they just didn't talk about birthdays too much. Right. Maybe they, maybe it was a, maybe this is a story about, like, deep trauma and I shouldn't joke. Anyway, so. Um, not in this episode, it's not, though. He-Man and Adora, I mean, Adam and Adora, He-Man and She-Ra, are raised in sort of parallel universes, different planets. And um, so in He-Man's world... The king and queen, who are his parents, are in power. The good guys are in power. And She-Ra's world, Hordak is in power. He works for Horde Prime. They are under his, like, oppressive thumb. And she's trying to overthrow the, the government in her world. Again, not really present in this episode. No, not really There's no all. real sense of political struggle here. But it's interesting, as Eric says, mm-hmm. that uh, Skeletor would care about Horde Prime at all, because Horde Prime is, like, not a part of his universe. Also, I never watched She-Ra or He-Man before I started this show. How knowledgeable wow. am I now? I just want to say one thing about the quality of this episode before we introduce our guests. I, I understand... So we're talking about holiday traditions. So my holiday tradition is every year I watch this and I watch the um, the claymated episode of Community. And I understand that this is a very bad episode. Um... I think there's very sweet moments that we'll talk about, but on the whole, it kind of chucks everything that is, like, actually good that we've discovered about the series and is like, ah, all the bad guys are bad, and also they hate Christmas for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, here's, I always talk about my book. This is my big book from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, and I, re- I never read the reviews, but I think the first sentence of this review is very great. It says, The special is a confusing effort, highlighted by the fact that it is credited to both one of the best writers on the series, Bob Forward, who we have done episodes by, like Unexpected Ally and The Pilot, and one of the more dubious ones, Don Heckman. We have never done a Don Heckman episode, <laughs> with good reason, until now. So here we go. So let's talk about our guest, Lauren. Great. So normally we have just one guest today because we're in front of a live audience and because so many people have supported us along the way. We welcome multiple guests. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome J.B. Anderton, Rachel Pitt, and Dean Neely. Yeah. Thanks for sitting and listening to us for like 10 minutes quietly on stage. Yeah, they've just been sitting here. (laughs) We've been drinking, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's true. Uh, So uh, the first question we always ask our guests and the answer has been widely variant is before today what was your experience with Shira? I guess I'll start with me uh, that's JB Anderton hi yes I'm also a fellow Chicago geek podcaster I host a Doctor Who podcast who 37 and uh, my first experience with Shira is through this podcast uh, I've known Lauren for 
uh, many years now, about, about three or four years now. Sure. And I, she told me about this weird podcast <laughs> she was doing, and it's like, okay. Oh, I have a weird podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it really is more niche for now than Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, I, I, she's my friend. I, I have to support her. So I guess I have to, I guess I have to so, start watching Shira now. Bless you. Um, now I am familiar with He Man. I did. I was a. Uh, in high school, when uh, He-Man was first run back in the mid 1980s, so I'm very familiar with He-Man, but I never got the She-Ra. That was around the time I stopped yeah. watching cartoons. But uh, yeah, it's I've been introduced um, to watching the episodes and listening to your podcast. And at the beginning, it was really hard to sort of find the issues that you all have found because it's just, it's just a silly little cartoon. <laughs> but the more you watch it, the more you kind of pick up a few things. And, and some episodes are more concise than others uh, with regard to what point they're trying to make. Yeah, this one might not be quite on the concise scale. No. If there is a point. If there is a message. Yeah. How about you, Rachel? Um, so I uh, am Rachel Pitt. I am a actually a really long time She-Ra fan. When I was a little kid, I was just I was sharing with people that like this was my go-to like play pretend with people. Like I kind of as I was wondering why I've never done a She-Ra cosplay at some <laughs> point because uh, this was a really formative thing for me as a kid. Um, and so I loved when I heard that the podcast was there, and it's been a really neat experience to listen to it with someone in my life who d- who didn't grow up with Shira. So it's been a really cool thing to share. Um, I really like the show; is a very special place in my heart. So I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. That I just want to say real quick. That was the joy for me in starting this podcast was finding someone who had never experienced He Man and Shira. And when I showed Lauren the pilot, and I was like, "Did you see the twist coming that she was his sister?" And she was like, "Yeah, dude, obviously." <laughs> That was super telegraphed. Mm-hmm. So, all right. And Dean, how about you? Hi, I'm Dean Neely. Um, to answer your question, good news, I also have no exposure to He-Man or She-Ra. Uh, I was born in 88. I think I probably mostly missed this boat. Uh, is Babby. Yeah. And, uh, so my exposure to all of this has been listening to all of your past episodes over the last two and a half days. Nice. I, I just want to point out, uh, Lauren uh, G-chatted me earlier to say that Noelle Stevenson is 25, which means she was born in 1992, and yet she is the showrunner for She-Ra. Oh, boy. So, actually, 1991, her birthday's December 31st. Oh, oh wow. She's She actually is kind of a Christmas season baby. Dang. But, yeah, Eric really warmed my heart because he was like, how could someone like that remember She-Ra? And I was like, she probably doesn't. She probably found it a little bit later, is a later fan. And he was like, oh... That means she saw it later and got something out of it, like you. (laughs) (laughs) This was very special to me. Dubious holiday episodes notwithstanding. So uh, the reason we have guests is, you know, we're going to talk about holiday traditions and and holiday representation and media and all that good stuff. So I think one thing that's pretty interesting about this episode is how heavily it leans into Christianity, which I was not expecting. They almost referenced Jesus, which, like, as an atheist myself, that's not my bag, but I thought it was kind of cool that they didn't really pull punches, even though, you know, that's not where I'm at. But uh, Lauren pointed out that it's interesting that the, the children have to explain to Orko what to him are weird holiday traditions, right? Right. Well, an orco, as I understand, is normally the stand-in for the children watching the show. He's like, uh, he doesn't want to clean his room. He likes presents. He's <laughs> like the kid in the He-Man universe. 
So I was very interested in seeing him actually relate to other, well, other children. About the Christianity thing, though, if you compare this to, like, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, Linus gets up there on stage and actually gets super biblical on all of us, whereas when the children are about to talk about Jesus, they cut away. And at the time, when, when, so I'm watching this for the first time, right? So chronologically, I'm going, oh, that makes sense. They didn't want to talk about Jesus. They wanted to keep this sort of secular. But then they're like, let me tell you about Santa Claus. She either. So I guess if it leans in the direction, it's Christianity. But the kind of the the interesting thing about that is is because Orko ha- or the children have to explain to Orko what his what their traditions are, and so we want to know like what are your traditions? We want to represent other backgrounds besides just two Earth children's Christianity told to an alien. So that's why you guys are here specifically. What might be a one of those stranger traditions that you have that you've really had to explain to someone else? There are obvious ones, like, you know, the Christmas tree, pretty obvious. But I know that one of you, uh, and I won't name who, has a Christmas pinata. Or maybe, let's put it like this, if an alien showed up with a weird ship and you weren't getting, like, weird creepy vibes and decided to have a chat with that alien, what would, how would you explain your weirdest holiday tradition? Um, I guess I can go first. Um, explaining my weird holiday traditions, I grew up in a town where I was, like, the only Jewish kid in my whole school. So um, explaining my weird holiday traditions <laughs> is uh, kind of my shtick. Uh, <laughs> I want to point out that she said weird with air quotes. <laughs> can't do that at home. It's not actually weird. That's true. Exactly. Um, So I think for me, actually, and also I grew up in an interfaith household, so for me, what feels like my weird traditions are is that we had both in my household. So my mom is a United Methodist, uh, so she identifies as Christian, and my dad was a Reformed Jew, and that's how we were raised with a little bit of both. Um, So each of, like, having a room with the Christmas tree and with all of, like, the trappings and presents there, and then having, like, the dining room with the menorah and, like, all of the display there. I think that for a lot of people like that we didn't combine them sometimes feels weird but they each got to have their own special space well okay so um i'd like to own up to the christmas pinata (laughs) i'm gonna not put air quotes around that being weird because my family's mostly like german irish norwegian and a little tiny bit of native american as most midwesterners are i think um (laughs) But, so, I don't know why we had a Christmas piñata. It was around, like, maybe, like, age eight or nine when, just in school, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, piñatas are really fun. This is, like, a thing I'd say when talking about Christmas. And other people would be like, what? (laughs) And that was about when I figured out that that was not, like, culturally normal if you were going to a private, like, extremely white Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And... To this day, I have no idea why we had a Christmas piñata, but we did. <laughs> I remember just wailing on a nutcracker piñata one year. Do you, do you still do it? Uh, well, so, not really, but that's because, like, all of the, like, people in my generation, who I think of as, like, in my family, the grandchildren, were not quite old enough to be having our own kids, and we can all, like, destroy a piñata in one hit, so like, <laughs> the tradition loses something when you're all, like, strong adults. So I don't want to, I don't want to water down what you have to say, because I know I was fascinated with Christmas piñata, and so I'm, like, demanding that it get talked about, but how, like... Is that your biggest tradition, or do your Christian traditions sort of also come forward at this time of year? It's definitely not my biggest tradition. It's my weirdest tradition. <laughs> and you you opened with weird, so I said, all right, yes. well, let's let's take the road to weird. 
No, I, I mean, so I was raised in the Roman Catholic tradition, and I'm a practicing Roman Catholic now, and so for me, it was and is a religious holiday. And so, I mean, the biggest tradition is a combination of, like, a lot of the, I, I'm going to say kind of generic things, like, you know, we go to church, we uh, um, we put out luminare out front of the house, um, you know, we, we do... We, we pray together, you know, before Christmas dinner, that sort of thing. And, you know, we sit and we try to reflect on the religious nature of the holiday as well. My family in particular has been for at least the last like 15 years very big on the Midnight Mass. Um, I think that's a combination of the fact that like if you think about the Advent season from a Christian tradition, it's about anticipation. It's It's preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ. And so... The Midnight Mass is kind of extra symbolic of that in that you are like staying up extra late, at least by, you know, my parents' standards, extra late on (laughs) Christmas Eve to go to Mass and celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, If I'm going to be a tiny bit cynical about it, it probably also had something to do with like sleeping in on Christmas morning, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, so that was always a big thing, and it was always presented as, like, an act of anticipation. And so I do think that's important. Um, and that's definitely the stronger tradition. That Midnight Mass in particular is probably the strongest one. Man, who wants to sleep in on Christmas morning, though? When I was a kid, it was like 6 a.m. There are wow. presents out there. Wow. <laughs> Get them. Me. I want to sleep in. <laughs> I, I do think, uh, just to get back to the pinata thing real quick, I bet that's a, <laughs> I, I want to tag that by saying that I think that's a tradition that Skeletor would understand. <laughs> Skeletor walks around with a stick. I mean, he's, he's waiting for a pinata at all times. I think you're mostly right, but I think Skeletor would just use his sticks like magic doom ray powers. And that that's the same problem with having, you know, one person who's too strong. Like, it's not a group activity yeah, at that point. True. Industrial, <laughs> industrial strength pinata. <laughs> had that one year. It was a problem. How, how about you, JB? <laughs> well, when we're talking about tr- Christmas tradition, for me, it was ever evolving. Uh, when I was young, we used to go to a Baptist church, and uh, one, one of the most fond memories I have about Christmas, and we've done this, I think, we did this like two or at least two, at least two years in a row, where um, on Christmas Eve, uh, my dad would take me and my sister we would, go, we would get in a car. We would drive around town. We lived in a small town in southern Illinois. And we would drive around and, and look at all the Christmas lights in all the neighborhoods. And then we would come back and we would pick up our, our mom. And then we would drive to the Baptist church and we would attend, we would attend Christmas Eve service. And, uh, and then once we got back from the church... Oh, look, Santa came. The presents are here. <laughs> so, all right, let's go ahead and open it now. So we all, we, we opened our presents on Christmas Eve. We didn't wait. We just we just went ahead and just went hog wild. I remember one year I got the Death Star PlayStation. It took me like half an hour to put together. <laughs> and um, it was very fun. And then when you get older, yeah, you know, the Santa myth just goes completely out the window. What? <laughs> <laughs> We <laughs> spoilers. I mean, we do, we, do we not let you oh, in yeah. the back where we don't tell people? So, and, 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 and I remember like sneaking into our parents' closets and looking at the wrapped presents and just sort of tearing out just a little tiny bit of it just to see what we got. Oh, oh man. But uh, my, uh, my memories are also kind of 
shaded because my, my dad was a music teacher. He was the grade school music teacher. And he would have to put on the Christmas concert every year. And he would always get so stressed out about that because it's, I don't know, maybe he thought he was going to get fired if, like, all the kids sucked. <laughs> And he would just, it would just stress out and it would stress the whole family out and would, it would just really get kind of ugly sometimes. And, it, and, and he just never got the fact that, hey, no one cares. They're just going to come and see their kids like, hey, there's my Tommy. He's playing the trombone mm-hmm. there. And uh, he, he, I don't know, for some reason, he always just got stressed out. And also my mom uh, was a nurse and she worked uh, the midnight shift, 11 uh, p.m. To, to 7 a.m. So she would usually have to work. I think she would get Christmas Eve off, but she would have to work Christmas Day or sometimes she would have to work on Christmas Eve or switch off on New Year or, or work New Year's Eve. So sometimes we weren't all together because my mom had to work. Um, and uh, I also remember around that time, for some reason, we stopped going to a Baptist church and we started going to an Assembly of God church and talk about just complete mind fuckery you're walking in you're so used to just like completely ignoring what the guy the the pastor up there is just sort of in monotone and talking about you know whatever and then you walk in and it's like hallelujah praise the lord and people are speaking in tongues and falling over backwards like what the fuck is i just walked in here it was really scary and but it was i it, it, I was probably eight or nine at the time, and you sort of get caught up with it, and um, you, you get really caught up in the community aspect of it because you felt like you belonged. And so for a while, I was a, very much a born-again Christian, and I bought into it. And I remember one – they did a Christmas pageant one year, and I think the first half of it, it was like the traditional – uh, story of Jesus, Mary and Joseph and all that. But then the second half, uh, the adults put on this sort of pat, I don't know quite what it was, but it was like, they would have these like little vignettes, like these little two minute vignettes with like these people sort of walking, sort of talking and all that. And then like, either they died or the rapture came. And they're in front of St. Peter and he's looking at the book. And if he found you in the book, it's like, okay, go ahead. And they just all rejoice. But if you weren't found in the book, then the devil came out. And was, the guy with a devil costume would run out. Wow. And then they would, like, play the sound effects. They were, like, people screaming and flames. And they were, like, dragging these people on the side of the stage. And it was actually quite funny. I remember my dad laughing out loud oh, no. in the audience. So here's the thing that strikes me about that, right? I feel like the things that have frightened me most in my life have been about mystery, the unknown, like what could happen. But if there's literally a man in a devil costume, like, well, that's what the devil looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I think it takes some of the mystery and, and horror. And then at the end, we had, a, we had a bearded guy as Jesus sort of standing out stage going like this. And everyone sort of praising him, and I don't know what it was all about. This but. is very literal. Yeah, it's like a hell house. Yeah, yeah. Is, but say, on Christmas, from it pretty much was a hell house. Yeah, it was sort of like to scare you into, you know, accepting Jesus. I like a judgment house style because I'm from a similar part of. Um, pretty from, much, I'm from Western Kentucky, and we did a similar thing in like some of the Baptist churches near me. And I remember, Boy. like, you know, they were like, you know, no dancing. We used to be able. I used to be able to get out of. In PE class, they used to do square dancing in PE class. I don't know why. But I used to be able to get out of it because I, my mom wrote me a note. Hey, uh, it's against our religion. But by like time, a way like more G-rated version of uh, Footloose. Yeah. But by the time I was a sophomore in high school and started noticing girls, it's like, no, it's okay. I can do this now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Square dancing. 
For all the ladies. <laughs> I was just the, the road Southern, Southern Illinois. <laughs> Southern Illinois. Not gotta cut loose. So let's uh, let's talk about this. So you know, we mentioned that this special leans surprisingly Christian, which I wasn't expecting because I feel like nowadays everything kind of. And I'm not trying to side with the religious right here, but I do kind of see their argument that everything leans a little more secular or kind of tries to uh, please everybody. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I do think that's the trend. Which I actually think that's good. But this special doesn't give a fuck. They're like, nope, Jesus, wise men, angels, Skeletor, all the Christmas classics. Um, all your Christmas so how, All the nativity. What are, panel of guests, uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the media representations that exist in this special and in general of your traditions and of what we saw in, uh, in He-Man? Do you, do you feel that your traditions are represented in media today? Shout out to the Rugrats Hanukkah special, can I just say? Um, Because, yeah, no, I think it's always really interesting for me as, like, as both, like, a person who, you know, I'm Jewish, I was bat mitzvahed, I very much identify as being Jewish. Um, When people talk about Christmas specials being secular. Um, Because to me, it never quite feels secular. Because it's still, you know, I know, you know, a Christmas tree, I'm sorry, we don't put up a Hanukkah bush. Like, if you're listening to it and that's your that's the way you want to do Hanukkah, I'm like 120% here for it and there's no judgment there. But when people talk about Christmas traditions as being secular, they're also really not. They're still, even if they're more commercialized, even if we're taking religious pieces out of it, they're still very associated with like that kind that type of tradition. So well, I are still based on the calendar day. Exactly. Like I mean, right? we move around all the time. It's always like, when is Hanukkah again this year? I'm <laughs> Thanksgiving. Um, Happy second night, right, to anybody who celebrates? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know but, a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that oftentimes um, I got really excited. I remember in my elementary or my middle school when the Rugrats Hanukkah special came out. And like I never knew on a given day how my like, because um, I grew up in a small town in western Kentucky, not mm-hmm. far from the southern Illinois border, um, where I never knew quite day to day how my classmates were going to feel about me being Jewish or having a Jewish father or identifying as being both Jewish and having a Christian parent. And I remember when the Rugrats Hanukkah special came out, everyone was really, like, excited with me and was asking me questions again. It was like being back in elementary school when it was really okay for me to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always find when I see representations like that, they always feel really important to me because it's, like, it's a moment when it gets to be okay and it gets to be cool and it gets to be accepted again. And, like, we don't always get that in every space. So Nickelodeon, does anyone else in the room remember a show on Nickelodeon in the 90s called Wienerville? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wienerville also had yeah, a Hanukkah. Yeah, they did a Hanukkah special, that's right. Yeah, and when I was a kid, I dug their Hanukkah special so much. They had a song called, <coughs> I was like, went, Menorah, Menorah, you know I adore you. <laughs> and I was in a very Catholic family and was walking around the house singing that because I thought it was like, the hottest beat of 1997. <laughs> but now that you mentioned Rugrats, mm-hmm. I have to. I'm going to go home and Google if there were some, uh, you know, maybe some Jewish people mm-hmm. at the highest parts mm-hmm. of, of Nickelodeon because I don't remember seeing that on other stations. But multiple times it showed up on Nickelodeon. Like or, great, awesome to them, I guess. Yeah, or I what? think I think we also have to sh- give a shout out to the first South Park Christmas special. Yeah. Yes, where Kyle. Roslowski had his moment where he felt isolated and shunned because mm-hmm. he was a Jewish, and it's like, uh, and he had his little song, mm-hmm. and uh, and they really kept that. And uh, you know, I'm a big South Park fan, and I feel like even though they do a lot of 
material that can be considered offensive. They they don't really mock that people that Kyle believes. You know, like they no. let him have his belief, and they, which I think is sweet. And they definitely like have the stereotypes in there, and like, but they also like in a lot of ways stereotype everyone, like. And so I tend to get less up in arms about like Kyle's mom being very much your stereotypical like Ashkenazim, so like a Western, like like Western or Eastern European Jewish person, like light skinned, you know, like nagging kind of that stereotype that we see a lot in media. I tend not to get as up in arms about that because they're not usually mocking like them for being Jewish. It's like more putting those stereotypes on display. And especially lately, Kyle's kind of become the point of view character for the show. By the way, this is now a South Park podcast. <laughs> I never get to talk about this with anybody. I yeah, my face just lit up when someone mentioned stuff like I was like, Eric's gonna be so stoked. <laughs> it's hard to be a Jew on Christmas. My friends won't let me join in any games. And I can't sing Christmas songs or decorate a Christmas tree or leave water out for Rudolph cause there's something wrong with me. Dean, how, how do you feel your traditions are represented in media? Well, I kind of want to agree a little bit with what Rachel said about the notion of, like, secular Christmas, in that Christmas is kind of inherently Christian. Like, like that's its origin. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Um, <laughs> thank you for laughing at that. Um, <laughs> so, I, like, I'm coming to it from the, like, kind of other side of the fence, as it were, but I, I think I agree that, like... First of all, I, I'm always pleased when I see more representation of other, like, winter holiday traditions. Um, and I'm only really prepared to comment on Christmas. But, like, I, I always enjoy opportunities to learn more about other cultures, like, traditions. And even as a Christian, I think it's really easy for me to just feel, get really tired of, like, the, like, fire hose of red and green that is, like, thrown at us immediately. And so, like, you know, this is, this is an important religious holiday for me, and sometimes even still I'm like, ugh. And so I, I, I think the idea of secular Christmas is weird. Like, to me that is inherently weird because you're taking something that is, like, an important religious thing for me and for many people, and you're taking the religion out of it and leaving, like, the, 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 the shell, the, the like the husk of it and I think those efforts would be better suited in just being more inclusive and having more representations especially because like I've never been comfortable with the idea of like trying to force your religious beliefs on any anyone else that's always bothered me a lot and so I think like definitely our culture is very like steeped in Christmas tradition so like when I stop and think about like what does that mean for people who are not Christian it's always made me a little uncomfortable and I'm like I wish there was more of that and so I'm always glad when I get to see more representation of other cultures so I want to comment upon your uh, quote a fire hose of red and green because uh, I am an atheist pretty staunchly and there is a, a, a radio station here in Chicago 93.9 that every single year starts playing 24-hour Christmas music earlier and earlier and earlier. This year it was just literally a couple days after Thanksgiving. And I feel like there's so much more they could do if they were to bring in music from other holidays or music from other parts of the world, but of course they never do, so it's the same 12 songs on loop forever. And to tie it into she especially with Skeletor, 
I feel like the Christmas spirit in this episode that we all just watched started getting treated a little bit like a disease. <laughs> Skeletor, by the end, was like, I don't understand why I like puppies now and want to save children. I hate this. What has come over me? And everyone sort of jokingly around him is like, oh, it's the Christmas spirit, Skeletor. And there was a little bit of me that was like, is he okay? <laughs> is, is he sick? Lauren. And literally also, Horde Prime senses the Christmas spirit yeah. in his territory like a new presence, <laughs> like a detectable, quantifiable thing. <laughs> and this is this show is what a like weirdo cynic I am in my everyday life. I started seeing this episode as like an epidemic story. <laughs> you know, like, uh-oh, here comes the Christmas spirit. And it's spreading in in real life too. We don't have the like, 93.9 starts starts playing Christmas music a little earlier yeah. every year. I'm gonna build off that because the, the Horde Prime thing, now you're gonna think I'm crazy. I've since college, I watch this every year since college, I have read that scene with Horde Prime, Hordeck, and Skeletor. As Horde Prime is afraid that if Ethereans learn about Jesus, they will break their shackles. That is how I read that scene. I think that he's not worried about Christmas. I think he's worried about Christ. I think that's what the writers were trying to say <laughs> that's, very subtly. That's very ironic considering the, today's political climate. Yeah. Because we had Roy Moore who has so far has not conceded uh, the race. And he, I believe he opened his non- um, non-concession concession speech with a Bible quote. Yeah. And it's it, it's just as astonishing still how religion is still so divisive when it comes to politics. So maybe there is kind of a progress a weird like political message in this episode. It's just buried beneath so much garbage. The arrival of the spirit of Christmas on Eternia may threaten my rule. handle that muscle-bound female She-Ra. Just a minute. What about the way He-Man handles you, Bone Brain? Bone Brain? Why, you miserable excuse for a villain. Silence! Stop wasting my time. Whoever eliminates the spirit of Christmas from Eternia will be well rewarded. That's me. We'll see about that. I don't want to jump too far ahead. We try to save the end for the end, and it never works. Well, I, I want to do something different with the moral anyway, so go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is, at the end of this episode, He-Man, the first thing out of his mouth is, not everyone celebrates Christmas, and I gasped out loud because, first of all, we brought Christianity into this episode. But also, what year was this? 1987? 87, I believe, yeah. And it's 2017 now. It is decades later. And we have a president who is trying to tell our nation that Merry Christmas is the thing we should be saying, that Happy Holidays is the wrong thing, that we have to bring back Christmas and bring back the right thing to say 
And it's so it was so startling to me to see that in 1987, a children's show was reminding us people celebrate other things. And they didn't dwell on it, but I feel like that was okay. That's what made it feel like a normal, just societally acceptable thing. By the way, there are different kinds of people out there. They celebrate different things. And it's not a huge shit show argument. It's just something we all already knew. And I'm surprised that in today's world, so little of our, our media and our political discussion can say something like that with so little consequence. I will say, I, I like what you're saying. Other critics, because there's not a lot of criticism on He-Man and Shira in general, but there's a lot written about this because people like to write about Christmas shows. A lot yeah. of critics feel like that is lip service and not... Um, not inclusivity, but rather just Prince Adam tossing off. Oh, and also there's like Hanukkah and those other ones. Um, I'm kind of split on that. I don't know. I do think it was nice of Filmation to recognize that. What do you guys think? Going back to, I mean, you say that you felt that there was an overt Christian message uh, throughout that. I didn't really see that that much. I mean, we had one mention of the wise men, and then we cut away again. I think that was like a studio note. No, we can't. Just cut away from there. But I, I, I think what I got out of it was, I guess what I call forced happiness. <laughs> <laughs> the disease. Because you must be happy, you must be jolly, you must be joyous mm-hmm. during this holiday season. And a lot of times I'm just like, fuck no, fuck you. I don't want to be, don't tell me how to feel on, on Christmas. Because, um, I mean, Christmas can be a very, I mean, for a lot of people, can be a very depressing time. There are several Christmas, I mean, there are a few Christmases in my mind, which I'm not going to mention that. Uh, that were, I mean, something traumatic happened mm-hmm. at the at right around that time, and so there's a lot of baggage that you take, a lot of baggage that you that 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 you bring in the holiday season, and there's also um, a lot of nostalgia because, as you said, they play the same twelve songs every mm-hmm. you know on the radio station, and it's it's mostly mindless garbage. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, or you know um, the you know, we'll build a snowman and we'll name it Parson Brown. And it's like, and it's just saccharine. It's just fake. And it's just like empty. And I, it's, 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 it's just like, you know, cross to a vampire to me at times. And it's just like, I guess the, the term forced happiness just kept coming to me. And it's like, no, not it, it, it's not happy for everyone. And I think we have to keep in mind that Christmas is a really, can be a really hard and depressing time. I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of people, you know, kill themselves not to bring this down or anything. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, it can be a really traumatic time for people. And I think that we have to keep that in, in mind. And, um, you know, I... I guess everyone else is sort of out of them as far as their religious beliefs. I, I, I consider myself a recovering Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I started losing my faith probably like like in the late 80s, early 90s. And I think a lot of it also, I was sort of rebelling um, against – because we – I mean my dad like um, liked to watch a lot of the evan- TV evangelist. And we're seeing now like – you know all the evangelicals that are supporting Trump and the Republicans, and just how hypocritical they are. And for me, it was it was partially a rebellion against my father because it's his fault. You know, he claimed to be a Christian, but he he just didn't seem to really get anything out of it because he was just a miserable man. And he still is. And 
I just thought it's just, it's just it's not working. It's just I lost faith, but it was very freeing to me. So and there's something about this time of the year that like brings that up, right? It, it really does, yeah. yeah. Because it's like not everyone's close to their families. I mean, my mom, my mom died in 2004, and she was really into Christmas. I mean, we actually, one in her, she, in her will, she she wanted on everyone at her funeral to sing Silent Night, and so I can never hear that song ever again without thinking about that. I have to like turn it off, turn it off. I don't want to hear it. So it can be. So I. I think it's just you have to really keep in mind that this is not going to be a great time for people. And Rachel, I think you had a comment on that too, yeah? No, it was more a piece that um, it's pedantic. I'm in my day life, I'm a psychologist, and so I even think the statistic that people, more people commit suicide around the holidays is actually not not quite where it is. It's usually right after. Okay. But I recognize it's, I think a lot of it is related to holiday stress, that it is a very stressful time and brings up a lot for people for sure. So I wanted yeah. to like name and validate that. I know it's just, it goes around a lot. I know it's been going around. Well, 12 days of too. Christmas. So that I know, right? Up. Exactly. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I'll, I'll out myself and be surprisingly real for a podcast too. I, I also, I actually have no family to celebrate the holidays with and I'm, I've made peace with that. Absolutely. But it's like, in the same way that social media makes us all miserable because we see the best lives people are living because that's the face we all put forward, uh, I think that's amplified tenfold over the holidays, oh, yeah. right? When you see, oh, everybody is so joyous, and you're absolutely right. Like, that is – it's infectious in this episode. Like, everybody must feel joy. And I hate Christmas songs. Wonderful Christmas Time is literally the worst song ever written. You can find it. <laughs> it makes Paul, it takes Paul McCartney from genius level to like slightly above Eddie Money. Like that. <laughs> anyway. Um, Take away the quirks, hit the synthesizer, please. Yeah, seriously. I hate Christmas songs, but I love Christmas TV because Christmas TV tends to recognize the sadness inherent with the holidays. Like that community episode. It's seven miserable people being miserable together. And there's a quote in there about Christmas is the cultural delusion that the shortest, coldest days can be the brightest <laughs> if you spend it with the ones you love. And even though that flies completely in the face of everything Dean said, because it's not cultural, it's religious, that is what Christmas means to me. Dean, do you want to rebut my... my <laughs> well, all right, so... I don't really have any traumatic memories associated <laughs> with Christmas, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming from the more... Like stereotypical perspective here, and so, like, also I, I have not seen the episode of Community that you're referencing. I should like to at some point. I've not gotten around to it. Um, so I mean, like, I recognize that that's an issue for a lot of people. It's not something that I've ever had to grapple with personally, but I do think. Well, first of all, um, I, I want to thank every all of you for the things you've just said about like you know why Christmas is maybe not a great time for you like. For me, personally, the worst I've had to suffer through was, like, graduate school finals. So, <laughs> stressful, but not the same caliber. I mean, we yeah. empathize I with mean, that. It's all a scale. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, first of all, thank you all for sharing. But um, I don't know that I have a direct rebuttal to what you're saying because I think, you know, like... I, th I, th I think there's a lot of value in what you've said and, and the sources you've cited. Uh, my response to that would more be to try to be an optimist about it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really fully formulated a thought on this, but maybe dig into the notion of, like, misery loves company. And, you know, if you're going to be miserable, do it with other people. But, you know, especially in reference to what you described as the community episode. So, 
maybe there's something there. I don't know. It's kind of a half-baked idea. Oh, right I now. should I should course correct and say I'm not like sad on Christmas. I really love Christmas now because everyone else is busy and I get to sit at home and play video games all day. <laughs> all right. It's this awesome. Like, this is the great thing about not celebrating. Christmas. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so awesome. But there were years when it felt bad, and I think stuff like Community helped me figure out like you know it's all. It, Christmas, it, it's kind of like Skeletor learns. It's who you spend it with, and it's who you love. Maybe it's a little robot puppy, but that's okay. I spend it with my real puppy. So, um, so it's I, what I wanted to say on that note is this episode really, for me, tackled the absence of Christmas. Um, for some reason or another, He-Man's mother didn't bring Christmas to her family and didn't spread the Christmas spirit until this moment. Uh, and I'd like to think, as you know, a, a woman with agency and intelligence, she thought that for a reason. Um, and I am an atheist. I celebrate Christmas more as a federal holiday than anything. <laughs> but I think uh, what we learn from this episode, if we look at it as She-Ra was still a hero before the Christmas spirit ever came into her life, and He-Man was still a good person before Christmas ever came into his life, um, the, the thing that I love about, frankly, being an atheist is I still feel there's a right way to live your life. I still feel like you can be an ethical person and love your neighbors and treat each other with compassion uh, and not have to have that come from anything other than your own will and desire to be a member of society and be a contributing person in the human race. Woo. And hey, thanks. <laughs> and so you can have religion. You can have Christmas as a time that's significant to you and a time that reminds you to be with the people that you love. But you also don't have to. And you could look at this episode and be like, oh, my gosh, I love Christmas so much. You could look at this episode and go, Christmas is such crap and I hate it and I really wish we'd stop focusing on it. But what I think this episode did for me through He-Man's mother was say it's fine to do it either way. Um, you can take this time of year and really use it to energize yourself. Or you could take this time of year and say, that's fine for some people. I'm going to spread love and positivity and joy for my own reasons, because that's what I've decided to do, not because of a deity or not because of a faith. And like, it's all okay. I was talking to my coworkers a couple days ago because some of them are religious and some of them aren't, but we always seem to come to the same conclusions. It does, you know, we could, we could debate the work we did or how we got there, you know, show our math, but I don't always really care to. Because at the end of the day, if it's winter and it's cold and it's dark and it sucks, but you're still trying to surround yourself with warmth and the people you care about and warm drinks and your dogs and your loved ones and give gifts to others, then who cares how you got there? Uh, and like, thank you, He-Man's parents for like doing it both ways, I guess. So that's the story. And here we are. Well, I can't believe it. You really crash-landed on Earth. Will we be home in time for Christmas? I'm not sure. Duncan? I can't be sure. It may take a few days to recharge the water crystal. But then we'll miss Christmas! I've got an idea. Christmas isn't for several days yet. But the twins' birthday is tomorrow. Why don't we combine their birthday celebration with a big, big Christmas party? 
would be fine. But what about Santa? Will he be able to find us? Oh, of course, Alicia. Now, don't worry. Who's Santa? Who's Santa? You don't know who Santa is? I can't believe it. Everybody knows who Santa is. <laughs> I think for me, the hardest part with a lot of with a lot of Christmas pieces, like I think that these things are all wonderful and great, and also Hanukkah is so different from that. Like I often feel like, especially looking back on Shira as a Jewish person, like I've always <laughs> felt like this big piece of like Shira in and of herself as someone who is fighting in a rebellion is very like. I'm not saying that, like, as Jews, we obviously have a monopoly on fighting uh, fighting rebellions in small numbers at all, but there's a piece of me that identifies with that very much and sometimes kind of has that moment of, like, so Shira has to have the Christmas spirit in this. And I'm like, really? Like, she's been having, like, the Hanukkah spirit in every other episode. <laughs> my holiday is not about, like, my holiday is not about happiness. And, like, it's about, yes, light and dark places. It's about that miracle. And for me, it's also about, like, Resistance. It's about rededication. It's about finding community. And so for me, it can sometimes feel very different. Like, yes, there's joy in it, but that joy comes through like hard work and resistance. And we didn't think we were going to make it. Like many Jewish holidays, Hanukkah is, I feel like, sometimes summed up in the, they tried to kill us, they failed, so what are we going to eat? Um, <laughs> in this case, you know, like fried food, which I feel like everyone can come together on the deliciousness of fried food. Um, Amen. It's a uniting factor in this way. Interfaith work is important. <laughs> and also, like, I think that's a piece for me that I sometimes struggle with, is that the, Christmas, the Christmasification of Hanukkah is a piece that I sometimes struggle with. And people being like, well, Hanukkah is Jewish Christmas. It's not. If if you want to link it to anything, Hanukkah is Jewish 4th of July. <laughs> it's not Jewish Christmas. And so, like, when people try to say, like, oh, it's about the happiness and joyness of the season and giving and love. Like, first of all, in Judaism, like, we're supposed to be giving all the time. Sadaqah is one of our mitzvot. It's one of our obligations that we're supposed to be doing. Like, you know, whether we feel up to it or not, whether we, like, feel in our hearts the need to give something it's kind of just what you're supposed to do because the act is what matters and so I think sometimes that's a piece I struggle with in the Shira Christmas episode is like so your holiday is all about love and joy and what mine is about like setting things on fire and being angry about things like which is the whole Shira show I mean yeah, yeah. Like, I'm super there for that so. and also it can feel like that piece um, and maybe it's growing up in an environment that had a lot of like more evangelical pieces to it of like my holiday is somewhat inferior or like well, that's why I feel like the religious tie in this episode was so surprising and, in my opinion, unnecessary, if I'm honest, because what it was really about was these more universal things that bring us together. Music, puppy. A really bad song. <laughs> yeah. A really cute puppy. Really cute puppy. Yeah. And, like, frankly, toys and, and presents. Yeah. You know, there are these things, these concepts and joys that transcend. And presents that explode. <laughs> presents that explode. And then they explode? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Originally, I mean, they were all getting ready for a party because it was uh, Adora's and Adam's birthday, yeah. Yeah. which sort of brings in a sort of Christ-like figure in mm. both He-Man and She-Ra. But I really like this idea that, like, She-Ra, you know, you're talking about resistance. That's kind of what our whole show has been about, right? And I like that we're leaving the season on a real-life cliffhanger of, like, like you said at the top, the Senate's in play. This feminist hero is coming back. I don't know where we'll be when the show continues, but... I'm glad to be here with all of you. And if you were wondering, yes, that is my... Uh, we're getting to the end of our show speech. So let's, let's give it up for our guests.
Uh, we usually do a moral segment at the end of the show, but I want to do something a little different and brief. We'll get you out of here by 10 o'clock tonight. But since this is our season finale, I want to look back on things with you real quick, Lauren. Yeah? Yeah. Um, because I think now you are you are certainly my equal in the, in the She-Ra, She-Ra-verse. So I want to <laughs> rapid fire questions. What's been your favorite episode? Oh, uh, Play It Again, Bo. Play It Again, Bo. Yeah, that's a great episode. What's you knew your, that already. What's your least favorite episode? Mm, my least favorite episode... I don't think we covered any really bad ones, mm, right? Rock people? No, rock people was okay. Okay. <laughs> but give me some give me some we covered. Uh what uh you didn't like the Seahawk ones that much, right? Yeah, Seahawk was lame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say I would say the f- the the first Seahawk one. Okay, yeah, it was pretty lame, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not my favorite. I might say the Christmas special, except that we had <laughs> such a lovely discussion about it, so I can't be mad at the Christmas special. We brought drinks. Yeah. And, <laughs> and robot puppy. Yeah. Uh, so here's my serious wrap up question that takes place in the moral. So how do you feel about having gone on this journey of watching a twenty two year old cartoon for the first time? Wow. <laughs> Way to put me on the spot. Uh <laughs> I'm glad you asked because it's, you saw it earlier. I'm super proud to know so much of the lore and uh, so much of the universe now, even though I haven't watched it all. But uh, what I really wanted to say to you tonight, and this is a great time, is thank you. Um, I used to have a blog called Geek Girl Chicago. I did it for like five years and kind of burnt out on it. Um, I've had, for a lot of reasons, kind of a tough year, and when I stopped doing my blog, I wasn't sure what the next creative thing was going to be or what the next thing I was going to get passionate about was going to be. Uh, You and I started on the Pawar campaign, and we watched that podcast never quite get off the ground, (laughs) and then we watched him give up the race entirely, and it would have been really easy to be disheartened by that, and instead, I came out of all of that with a friendship and a project with you, and uh, a show that I found really inspiring that made me think a lot about uh, gender and race and politics and how I want to build the future that uh, I'd like to see for America. Uh, And I got to bring a lot of my friends onto the show who I feel had a lot of wonderful things to say about Uh, everything from mental health to the preservation of our environment and I don't think I would have had those conversations with people close to me if you hadn't taken me out for drinks one night and said do you want to do this really stupid thing that no one's going to listen to (laughs) the funniest thing of all is that yesterday we learned that our show is going to be on Netflix and it's coming back I mean not our literal show the show we love (laughs) not yet and you said, like, wow, we really had our thumb on the zeitgeist. Like, how could we have known? But I didn't know you did. And um, some of my favorite talks that I've ever had and some of my favorite thoughts that I've ever thought have come from doing this with you. And so, like, this journey has been invaluable, and I'm really glad we're going to do more. So, dude, happy holidays, and thank you. Aww. Can we, like, give it up for Eric? No, no. Lauren Faith, everybody. Lauren Faith. Give it up for J.B., Rachel, and Dean. All of you, thanks Cards Against Humanity. Uh, We'll be back in some indeterminate amount of time with more shows. Uh, Have a great holiday, whatever you celebrate, even if it's nothing. And remember Orko's wise words, enjoy the fuck out of your presents. (laughs) I found Lucky this episode. You're not getting out of my way. Nice. Thanks, guys.
Thanks for listening to She-Ra Progressive of Power. That's it for Season 1, everybody. We'll be back next year with more episodes. While you await our return, make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash progressiveofpower. And while you're there, maybe leave us some nice reviews. That goes for Facebook and Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Now, like we said in the episode, we collected toys at the door to donate to Lurie Children's Hospital this holiday season. You can help Lurie, too, by visiting luriechildrens.com. Or, you know, just do something nice for your fellow man in this time of giving. Kindness is always a winner, and that's basically what we say every week anyway. So have a great holiday season, and we'll see you in 2018.